Here's the Catch is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The 49ers are on the road in New Orleans this next week, but after that, they come home for two-game homestand, their final two regular season games of the year against the Atlanta Falcons and the Los Angeles Rams. So you can get your tickets for that on game time. And you could also get music and theater tickets. So this is not just limited to sports. So make sure that you get on there so you can check out your favorite concert, maybe at the new Chase Center in San Francisco. It's also really easy to check out. They have this thing called the two-tap checkout process, which means you literally only have to tap twice on your phone and then you have your tickets on your phone. So the Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Let's go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi and Matt Barrows on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, guys, as I was watching that great game in the Baltimore rain today, I couldn't help but feel that this was only the first time that the 49ers and Ravens will play this season. Ravens win 20-17, to but it was epic. It was a heavyweight prize fight. Back and forth, the 49ers actually statistically won this game. We could get into that in a bit, but just the overarching feel, guys. You know, this was a Super Bowl preview to me. Now, a lot has to happen in between now and then, but I think if you look at the NFL right now, you look at the result of, you know, this last-second field goal win for Baltimore and the way that the 49ers hung in there on the road, I think it's fair to say that it's the 49ers and the Ravens and then 30 other teams right now in the NFL. I think they're a cut above... The other teams, the advanced stats agree with that. And I think what we saw on the field today, Matt, agrees with that because that was sure, uh, that was a prize fight right there. And that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and that was the, the tenor in the locker room as well. I mean, Kyle Shanahan said it right off the bat. He hopes that uh, his team has an opportunity to play the Ravens again this year, i.e. in February in Miami. That made it sort of an odd atmosphere in the locker room afterwards. I mean, they're never happy after a loss, but there was a bit of pride that they were able to go toe-to-toe with that team. They really respect the Ravens for exactly what you just described, the, the, the way that they're, they're built for power. They're built for December, January, February. They're built for the playoffs. And the 49ers, you know, for most of the game, were right there with them. And I think that was very encouraging to them. Obviously, there were some things that they needed to improve on. But um, it was a uh, it was a, a knockdown dragout, and uh, they were still standing in the final round. There, they lost at the end, but uh, it was very promising to them. Uh, Dennis, what what did you see from from your vantage point? Well, first of all, what a competitive football game! And I think the second half, you saw some adjustments. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, or he is he is he is in my vote an MVP, and. Um, the way the 49ers try to defend them, um, I, I just didn't see the hits. I was I was hoping that that mesh point that the 49ers or, or Sala would assign a defensive lineman just to put a hit, you know, on him during the football game to kind of, you know, make him think about pulling that ball out. But you know, it was it was a competitive game, and and it was some big plays on both sides, and um, 
you know, the 49ers end up losing by three points. But, you know, it, it was a battle. I, I just, you know, we talk about playing them again. I just, I hope that happens, first of all, but I hope there's a different defensive scheme as far as controlling uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so I thought that the 49ers made some nice adjustments at halftime, but you're exactly right, Dennis. In the first half, they did the opposite of what I expected them to, and it looked like they assigned that edge defender to the running back with no holds barred. So on those read options, even when Jackson kept the ball, you would see either Eric Armstead, sometimes it was Solomon Thomas, sometimes it was Nick Bosa. You'd see him go dead red for Mark Ingram or whoever else was supposedly carrying the ball, but Jackson had kept it. And he was able to run outside. So because of that, we saw Jackson rack up 100-plus yards on the ground. Baltimore got theirs, right, uh, on the ground in the first half. And it, it could have been frustrating for 49ers fans to watch because it seemed that they were gambling wrong a lot. At the end, though, they were able to stiffen up. If you look at the, especially the second-half drives for the Ravens, it went fumble, punt, turnover on downs, and then finally the game-winning field goal, which came on the back end of the 49ers' own turnover on down. So the 49ers gave up only three points to this extremely high-powered Ravens offense in the entire second half, and I think it's because they got way more disciplined on the edge. They started tracking Jackson a little bit more. So if these two teams do play a little bit more, Matt, if they do play one more time in February, I think the 49ers will, will start with their defensive blueprint from the second half today and apply that forward because in the second half what they did worked a lot better against the Jackson run game and because of that they forced him into the pass game and, and he wasn't good passing today they, they held him to 100 yards and uh, in those third and long situations they were able to get off the field so I think that they followed that blueprint but it was a little uh, too little too late in this game because their offense wasn't productive enough. Yeah, I, I think that was the blueprint to, to force Jackson to pass uh, you know getting out to a, a fast start helped that or, or would have helped that if they had kept that lead and uh you're right he was very ordinary uh in, in the passing game uh 14 of 23 for 105 yards he uh was stuck on his uh tight ends all all game his receivers only caught I think two passes wide receivers only caught two passes all game but as well as they played him in the second half he still had eight carries for 44 yards and uh you know that's how good Lamar Jackson is he he ran the ball 16 times for 101 yards Averaged 6.3 yards a carry, and the 49ers did better than most teams against him. So that's why I said there was kind of this this weird dynamic that uh, they they were proud of what they did, but boy, there was still a lot that they lacked doing. And I agree with both of you. I don't know exactly what was happening. The the read option has flummoxed them, and when uh, their previous opponents have used it occasionally. The Ravens were using it a lot, and they still couldn't figure it out. Not just the defensive end sometimes, but the outside linebacker was going in towards the running back. I guess uh, Lamar Jackson is a magician. There were some plays, I'm in the press box with my binoculars, and I, I don't know who has the ball. So it, it, it must have been very difficult for uh, a defender at that point to see where the ball was going. We're starting to figure out, I think, why exactly he's an, an MVP candidate Dennis, did anybody uh, defensively stand out to you in that game? Uh, any uh, sort of MVPs on the defensive side of the ball for the 49ers? I look at Fred Warner. I mean, you know, this second-year linebacker, he, he plays at a super high level, and he had a, had a couple really good pass deflections. I mean, this first of all, this team, the Ravens, they're a hard team to defend because everything is four-down territory. You know, after they cross a certain part, of the field, everything is four downs. And, you know, they, they're they able, you know, with Ingram and, and, and Lamar to get, 
you know, two, three yards a pop, you know, three yards, and you got fourth down, and you're looking at fourth and two and three, and then that read option comes into play. So, you know, watching Fred Warner play today, I mean, I think he's becoming one of the better linebackers in the National Football League. And, you know, the couple of those pass deflections were big for him. And, you know, when I look at this defense, you know, without a Quan Alexander, I, I see Fred Warner, the guy that's really stepping up. Yeah, I agree that Fred Warner was awesome today. That one pass breakup at the start of the game against Brown, who's a slot receiver, you, you know, consider that Warner's a, a linebacker who was actually doing a pretty good job on some run stops today. The fact that he was versatile enough to race out with a slot guy who's, what, 40 pounds lighter than him and, and make that pass breakup early in the game, it was just textbook. That was perfect. Then he made another one on the key fourth down in the fourth quarter. So Warner had two big pass breakups. He did bite on a play action for the Ravens' first touchdown, which left Mark Andrews, the tight end, open. So there was some give or take, but I think that touchdown, guys, just showed how hard this Baltimore offense is to to defend because these guys come at you downhill with an offensive line that mauls. They come at you downhill with big running backs. And Mark Ingram, what, 215 pounds, Gus Edwards, He's probably, what, 240, 250? The guy's huge. He's a bowling ball rolling downfield. I mean, they hardly – it's it's not like they even have receivers, right? They have a couple guys who were targeted, what, two or three times all game, but it's mainly the tight ends and the linemen just rolling downfield, and that's a great complement to what Lamar Jackson does with his speed. So when that read option comes, you, you have to respect the possibility that the running back gets the ball, and then when the play fake comes – you have to respect the possibility that uh, you know either Jackson or one of those running backs is going to run. So that's why Fred Warner was caught out of position on that touchdown. Ultimately, I think the 49ers stabilized, but this game put pressure even on what I think is now clearly the number one defense in the NFL in the 49ers. It put pressure on them in ways that they haven't been pressured yet before this season, Matt. And that's why this was such a great game, because the 49ers stressed the Ravens in ways that the Ravens had never been stressed. And the Ravens stressed the 49ers in ways that the 49ers had never been stressed up until today. Yeah, that, that 49ers defense uh, it's, uh, does its best against drop-back passers. Well, the, the Ravens didn't do much drop-back passing in this game, and it really kind of neutralized, took, took away a 49ers strength. I mean, uh, Nick, Nick Bosa didn't have a great game. Eric Armstead didn't have a great game. Why? Well, the, the, the offense just wasn't doing what the defense is, is built to do. Now, it, it's also setting up a really fantastic finale in Seattle against Russell Wilson, but we can talk about that later. But uh, it's clear that uh, this defense really excels against a quarterback who's just going to be there sitting in the pocket for them. And Lamar Jackson does not sit still ever. Uh, he was impressive for a lot of reasons. I, I thought his ball control was might have been the the most impressive to me, the way he was just able to make it disappear and make everybody wonder where the hell it was. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of things the 49ers can be encouraged about, but there's, there's things that they've got to fix before they play Russell Wilson so that they're not leaving it up to Russell Wilson to make a great play at the end of the game, uh, which is what happened in their first meeting. Dennis, uh, any, any of the thoughts from you about uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, that off? And, and what the 49ers were and, and weren't able to do against them. I can imagine as a player playing, you know, against this offensive scheme. And, and you said it. I mean, he even on television, it, it, it looked tough to see where the ball was. But I still believe that the game plan should be to put hits on the quarterback. And, you, you know, you saw 
I think it was two uh, rough in the passer calls in this game, but he was a passer at that time. I don't know if the 49ers, I know they had one sack. I don't know if the 49ers ever hit uh, Lamar Jackson when he was a, a ball or, you know, when he was trying to run that read option or he was a ball carrier hard, you know, and, and like you said, you saw those defensive ends just crash down on that running back. And you would think, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I'm not a coach. I played the position, but you would think you would designate, you know, an end just to put some hits on the quarterback. And that's what I was most surprised. And, and you know, once you crash down as a defensive end and you commit to that running back and you have no leverage on the outside, you're going to have a quarterback, especially a quarterback like Lamar or any other Russell Wilson or anybody who's going to run untouched, you know, eight, nine yards down the football field. So, I didn't understand that part of the game plan, but in the second half, you did see, you know, it, it wasn't as important, I think, for them to get those extra yards. Um, but you would think that the game plan would be, I still think how you defeat this this offense is you put hits on that quarterback and not, you know, the quarterback's not going to want to run the ball, but also your, your head coach, your coach, you know, you're not going to want your quarterback taking hits every single play. So if you remember back in the Super Bowl, that that that's what uh, uh, the Ravens did to Colin. They hit him every single every single play. You know when he was a when he was a ball carrier or he he acted like a ball carrier, he took a hit, and that's what you got to do to defeat this this type of offense. You got to put hits on the quarterback. I, I agree with you. I think that Jackson gets the most of the action in this offense, and that's who you have to focus on. That being said. The Ravens have such a great counterbalance, and we did see some of that today with Mark Ingram barreling his way for a couple 10-yard games. So it, it, it's tough. It really is. And I thought that the Ravens did burn the 49ers a bit there in the first half with that. With that being said, though, you know, it's a tough game to analyze because it was a full 60-minute chess match. And when you look at the big picture, this was a game in which this really high-powered Ravens offense, one which was off the charts as far as efficiency goes, compared to the rest of the NFL, they only managed one sustained touchdown drive against the 49ers today. The other touchdown, the first one came off of a Jimmy Garoppolo fumble, and then the the other points uh, came off of uh, field goals, and one of those field goals won the game at the very end. So I think when you look at the big picture here, the 49ers generally were able to do a good enough job to give their team a chance to win, but the big problems that we should focus on came on the offensive end. One was the Jimmy Garoppolo fumble at the start where he just held on to that ball too long. And, and I think the damning part of that play for Jimmy was that he took first contact, didn't fumble, and then he wasn't able to secure the ball enough. So second contact is what knocked it out. And you can never let second contact knock it out. It's, it's somewhat excusable when first contact gets you. But as a QB in that kind of game, you just got to cover up the ball after you get hit once. And he didn't. And, and the second you know real head scratcher and the one that Matt wrote about to lead his article today was... The fourth and one. The 49ers had a chance to take the lead late in this game. They were not able to do it because they couldn't pick up a fourth and one in which they lined up in a shotgun after they came out of a timeout. Before the timeout, they're under center, averaging six yards a carry. They come out in a shotgun, and they, the pass gets knocked down. And I just thought it was a, a bad leverage call that Kyle Shanahan also said he regretted after the game. When you're running for six yards a carry, Matt, 
Uh, you have to keep the running threat on the field. I'm not saying you have to run against a stacked box, but you have to give that defense something to think about. And I thought that the shotgun formation did not do it for the 49ers. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, when they line up in shotgun, uh, they're, they're taking away that threat. That was supposed to be a very quick pass to George Kittle. It was tipped at the line of scrimmage, so we'll never know if it would get there. But, boy, I, I thought that the linebacker had really, really tight coverage on Kittle and that even if it had slipped through the line of scrimmage, that was going to be an incompletion. Kyle Shanahan was, was asked about this uh, a lot after the game. Uh, why didn't you go for a field goal, he was asked. Uh, I, I was watching Robbie Gold uh, warm up. He was hitting 52, 53 yarders fairly easily in, in the warm up. I don't know if conditions had changed uh, by that point in the game, but he was hitting those and, and his leg was back. Shanahan said he thought it was too long for Gold. Uh, I think that they originally were, go- were going to go for a run. I thought they might even go for a quarterback sneak, but Shanahan called timeout and uh, changed out of that play and into the one that they called. He didn't regret calling a pass play. He just wished he had called a better one than than he did, which is a little bit puzzling because he did have a, a full timeout to think about it, and that's what uh, that's what they came up with. And, and the Ravens were playing very very close coverage. George Kittle, a, a, a very uh, modest day. He was targeted four times, two completions for 17 yards. He said that he measured his performance by how well they did in the running game, which was phenomenal, uh, 146 yards from Raheem Mostert. But that was that was a missing element, I thought, in, in the past game. There, there weren't a lot of chunk plays from either offense, and uh, the 49ers got a big one from Debo Samuel early. But that was it from that point on, and uh, they, they could have used something big at, at some point during the game. Dennis, what stood out to you offensively from what you saw from the 49ers? Raheem Mostert. This, this guy, I mean, especially, he probably go to the Pro Bowl as a gunner, but I watch him run the ball, and he, he runs the ball like he's he's running, you know, he, he's running down on punts. I mean, he is a one-cut. He gets in the hole, and he, he runs upright. It doesn't look like he's, he's, he's running fast, but he's hitting the holes. He's hitting the second level really quickly, and, he, and, he's, and, he's, and, and it looks, today, it looked like he was on skates. I mean, it looked like whatever cliques he had on today, he should continue to wear those heats because he's a guy, I mean, he hits, he was hitting that hole and, and he was just, you know, some of those gains where, I mean, it's, you talk about the offensive line, but there were some big holes there, but he was, he's got great vision. He's got great patience. Uh, and he was hitting those holes going down one cut downhill. So I was impressed with the way he played. And and on that fourth down, super surprised. I think Kyle Shanahan's going to look at, he's probably watching that tape right now thinking, you know, he, he, he should have attacked, the perimeter with with the with some type of run because you know as a defensive lineman fourth and one first of all the the the, the line splits are tighter you're not there's going to be no quick moves there's not, not going to be much of a pass rush and you're always taught just to put your arms up put your hands up you know stand up uh, engage put your arms up hopefully you'll you'll deflect something like they did because you know you're not going to get much of a pass rush because the ball's coming out fast. I was surprised that that was the call. I mean that that was an opportunity to put some points on the board uh, and and change the the outcome of the game. I think and I think Kyle Shanahan is going to look at that play and think you know whoa I should have called something else. So I mean you know we're we're nitpicking a little bit. I mean ten and two is, is a pretty darn good record, uh, but you stay on the road. You play another quarterback. Uh, that can give you some problems, but I think this team should feel good. Um, you know, you've learned a lot. You know, 
Uh, you can learn from your mistakes, but now you got to keep it moving because uh, you have another, uh, now, now you're in your conference now, and it's super important uh, to go out and play well next weekend. Yeah, Mostert was 19 carries, 146 yards, and we had that several-week stretch where people were wondering where the 49ers run game went. Well, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has played well enough recently to really earn back some respect for the past game. Defenses have had to ease up a little bit, and today it's excellent news for the 49ers. That offense was so much faster than the Ravens' defense. As you guys said, Raheem Mostert looked like he was on skates out there in a good way. I mean, he was just gliding to the outside. And the the blocking, especially running right, I can't wait to break down the splits of the 49ers running right today. But when they were going on behind Mike Person, Mike McGlinchey, and George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk would help out sometime. Man, they, they were dominant running to the right today. And I think if you're Kyle Shanahan, you really like to see entering the stretch run. The The running game is finding its stride again, and it's working cohesively with the passing threat. And today, the 49ers weren't able to quite put everything together. For example, I don't think they delivered the coup de grace, the, the finishing blow with play action today, because they probably regret some of those play calls there toward the end. But you can see the, the real structure of how this offense can take over a game when you have Raheem Mostert going 19 for 146. So, Matt, uh, on that note, you know, if these two teams do face again, I think the 49ers have to feel really good about how they really bullied the Ravens with that run game. They, they didn't even have to get to the, the passing game to Kittle and to, you know, Kyle Juszczyk because they're running so well. They, they probably should have gotten there. That probably would have put them over the top here. But the framework for success was definitely on the field today. Yeah, their their bread and butter play is that outside zone, that stretch zone run, and that works against the Ravens. And um, you know, it, it worked with Raheem Mostert. There was no Matt Breida in this game. Uh, he certainly can do it too. He's he's probably their fastest running back. Uh, at least he's been clocked as the fastest this year. So yeah, that mythical rematch in in February is going to be uh, a, a real key. That game would be on grass. Yeah, it's being played in Miami, so it might be be better for the Forty Nines. Niners if it were on turf, but uh, who knows? Kyle Juszczyk, no no targets, uh, obviously no receptions. Obviously, we're doing a lot of morning quarterbacking here, but that may have been the play call uh, on fourth and one. You line up like you're going to run. You have Juszczyk back there, and then he kind of slips out of the backfield and you know picks up a first down, maybe even more, and uh, the, the 49ers go up seven. E- easier said than done in the moment, of course, but uh, he, he does seem to be lacking. I know he would have loved to have had a, uh, a big play against his former team, and uh, he's, he's absent from the stat sheet here. I was surprised that he wasn't more involved uh, in the passing. You know, George Kittle, is, he's got that knee, he's got that ankle. He wasn't the same player. You know, he did make some big plays, but it didn't feel like George Kittle was the George Kittle. I mean, you didn't see those big blast plays, those big explosive plays that we're used to seeing with him, and I think that could be because of his, you know, his ankle and his knee. And I, I was I was waiting to see, you know, if if Juszczyk was going to come out the backfield and get one of those those wheel routes when he catches the ball down the field and runs another 30, 40 yards. Didn't happen. I think, you know, this, you know, the, the Ravens defense played well. I mean, at times they had six, seven guys in the box and they were really dedicated to kind of stop that run. And the 49ers were still able to get a lot of yards on the ground so it, it was a battle it was an epic battle and and you know if you love football this was a great game to watch 
It, it was awesome, and I think it's really going to prepare the 49ers to finish out this schedule where they still control their own destiny as far as getting that number one seed in the NFC. This was actually the least important game if you look in, in terms of getting that number one seed. You cannot afford a loss to New Orleans. You certainly cannot afford a loss to Seattle unless both of those teams crater from here on out. We'll see what happens with the Seahawks tomorrow night against the Vikings on Monday Night Football, but this was a matchup against an AFC team. Maybe the AFC team you face in the Super Bowl if you get there, but at the end of the day, still an AFC team. So it's not quite as damaging to lose to them in the standings as it, as it will be if the 49ers lose next week to New Orleans. But guys, what what this game taught me in the big picture of things is uh, the, the 49ers should have a, a lot easier time next week against a guy like Drew Brees because it, it, we've seen it time and time again. There has not been a single quarterback this year that's been able to beat the 49ers or look good against the 49ers in terms of the drop-back passing game. Even Russell Wilson looked bad in the drop-back passing game. Lamar Jackson was below average today. He beat them with his legs. He was excellent with his legs. But this secondary, this pass defense, is really, really good. I mean, we're we're starting to talk about historic levels now, and it's fair to say that as we enter the stretch run of the season based on the numbers they're putting up. So, Matt, I have to say, next week against Drew Brees, in a dome inside, you don't have to worry about the rain anymore. That, that speed for the 49ers will be on full display. I think they've got to be favored, right, entering this game against the Saints based on what we saw today and the fact that it looks like they left this game relatively healthy. I'm not sure about Jaquaski tart but uh, it's it's one where you have to like the 49ers' chances moving forward. Yeah, Jaquaski tart uh, might be iffy. He took a knee to the, the ribcage, uh, a Mark Ingram knee to the ribcage, which uh, can't be good. Marcel Harris came in and Marcel Harris always plays well. I mean, he played really well at the end of last season. He's good around the line of scrimmage. He's he's a really good tackler. He might even be like a future inside linebacker conversion type of guy. Uh, against Drew Brees, I mean, it's it's not the, the, the same Saints that the, the 49ers were playing back in, in 2011. They're more power-based. Uh, they like to run the ball. They like to bring in Taysom Hill for a few plays. So Tart will be a, a missing element. I'm not sure whether D Ford is going to be back. And remember, the, the 49ers are spending the week in Florida this week, not going back to uh, San Jose to to practice. They're going to be in Bradenton, Florida. This will be the fourth time in the last decade they've they've stayed on the East Coast between road games. And they haven't lost the second leg of that trip yet. So it, it, it's a body clock thing for them. It's shaving off, I think I calculated it, about 3,000 miles of airtime. And, um, you know, that's, uh, I think that's going to be encouraging for them. This is sort of their, their secret formula that they do when they have these back-to-back road games. Dennis, did you ever do anything like that when you were with the 49ers, uh, stay out somewhere between road trips? Uh, no. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't understand it. I'm sure someone's got some analytic tester I, I for when I was playing it was you know we we play on Sunday we play in New York uh and uh that, that's the deal the game starts at one o'clock and that's the deal I can remember one year we played uh the Giants we came back we had a game we went back and played the Jets uh the following week so I mean it but it's it's a different era now and I'm sure someone's figured out that you know, staying over it. And it's shown, at least for the 49ers, that it does it does help. It does work because you're more in a, a camp environment, you know, like you're in training camp and, you, and it's kind of, 
eat and live and, and think and, and breathe football and you're around your guys. But uh, if it work, if it shows it works, it works. And hopefully it does work. And, and I like the matchup against the Saints. Um, again, I, I like I like, you know, the defensive front against a quarterback that's going to stick in the pocket. And one thing about Drew Brees, he's going to get the ball out fast. And, and uh, you know, you, your pass rush, you have to be disciplined in your lanes. You can't give him pass or uh, passing lanes because he can find that. Um, and you have to have sticky coverage. But I like the matchup and the opportunity for this front four to to kind of to kind of feed a little bit, to kind of go out and eat and get after a quarterback. And you know, I, and I I think today think about if if the 49ers had I know if it's a, it's a if a woulda coulda Quan Alexander and uh, D Ford I think this game would come out differently. Especially I mean both of those guys important for different reasons. When you look at D Ford, obviously you have that great speed off the edge. So maybe one more third down rush gets home. It was one of those games where every single yard mattered. So, uh, you know, even if Lamar Jackson throws an incompletion on third and eight, I think getting a sack on that third and eight, getting five or six or, you know, maybe even 10 extra yards of negative yardage might swing this game because you saw a huge play was the punt today from Baltimore where they downed it at the one yard line. You know, stuff like that was big because this turned into a real war for yardage in the second half. So I think if you have D Ford out on that field in opportune times, it might help you get a few more yards that might tilt this in the other direction. And then with Quan Alexander, what that helps you with is your whole linebacker rotation gets one player better, right? Because Aziz Al-Shair, the player who I think the 49ers have very high hopes for, uh, doesn't have to play in this game. And I think this game, especially in the first half, some of the stuff there might have still been a little too much for him. He, he is a... Uh, inexperienced player still. And so you saw him pick up one of those penalties. You saw him uh, not really be able to figure out what Lamar Jackson was doing. If you have Quan Alexander, you have a more experienced guy out there and, and it allows uh, Dre Greenlaw to stay at the Sam linebacker position. And I think you're just overall better. That being said, one of the young guys today, second year guy for the 49ers made, I thought what was the play of the game for them. We have to talk about Marcel Harris before we sign off. Matt, that that was reminiscent of what uh, Jaquaski Tart, the guy whom he replaced, uh, uh, you, you know, did against Seattle a couple weeks ago. He just ripped that ball away after all seemed lost from Lamar Jackson and turned the tide of this football game. I think it was a 14-yard run by Jackson. They were, they were, they were threatening again. And that's what this team has done all, all year long. Uh, a gotta-have play. They come up with a big play when they have to have it. And you're right, Harris had that play on Sunday against the Ravens. Remember, he came in for, for Tart last year. And he played really well. I remember Richard Sherman saying that he felt a, a lift that Harris brought with him. I mean, he plays very hard, very hard-nosed around the, the line of scrimmage, very good in the run game, uh, et cetera, et cetera. If you're playing in, in Seattle in the finale, that, that's what you need. You need guys like Marcel Harris doing that. You know, it'll be a loss if Tart's not there, but, but Harris has shown – this year and last year that, that he can do it. Yeah, and, you know, he's a guy that it just speaks to the depth of uh, what the 49ers have on, on defense and what they've created in this roster. You know, that guy like Jaquaski, who's having, you know, a, a good season, probably his best as a 49er, a guy comes in and makes a big play. And and I, I kind of thought the momentum was going to change at that point and the 40s, 49ers would go down and score and, and then win in the football game. But that's what you need coming off you know, uh, the, the next guy up type of an attitude. Just go out and make a big play. You know, you're, you're out here. This is my opportunity to do it. 
and you go out and you do it. And that was a, I mean, that was a fantastic play. And at that point, I think Lamar uh, Jackson was just kind of having his way with the 49ers defense. And he looks, he looks up and the ball stripped out of his hand. So that's what you need on defense. That's how you set tones and, and, and you, you win football games and you win it on defense, especially on the road with big plays like that. Well, definitely a lot of fascinating stuff. And we're going to reconvene again during this week after we have a chance to really watch some of the film here and some chance to do some scouting on the Saints because this is still the gauntlet for the 49ers. They're two-thirds of the way through this three-game stretch that everybody thought was you know, going to uh, re- really test them. And, and so far it has, obviously. They stomp the Packers. They lose narrowly to the Ravens. And now the Saints finish it off. After the Saints, it gets a little easier. It really does. You have the... The Falcons and the Rams, both at home. Neither of those two teams are very good. And then you have the big one with the Seattle Seahawks on the road to close the season. So uh, we'll take inventory this week, but this was a fun one, guys. Uh, I think I really I started the show by saying I think this is not the last time these two teams face off. And, and I think we all have an inkling that, that we may see a rematch in February. So anyway, 49ers lose this one to the Ravens 20-17 to for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown. Uh, This is David Lombardi signing off for the Here's the Catch podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time.